so glad that you're here today. Today, we're going to be talking about teens. I'm really excited about this. I have my friend Connie here, and I'm going to introduce her in just a few minutes. But first, I'll introduce myself in case you don't know me. I am married to Daryl. We've been married for almost 30 years. We have eight kids ages 28 down to 14, five boys and three girls. We have our sixth grandbaby on the way, and we've been homeschooling for, oh, about 24 years. And I love bringing encouragement to the hearts of homeschooling moms and moms who aren't homeschooling. Today's topic is applicable to any mom because we're going to be talking about teenagers. I'm going to be talking with my friend Connie. because uh, she has a lot of really amazing things to share and she has a book that she's uh, written and we're gonna be talking about that. But I just remember when our kids were little and people would say, they would look at all of them, cute little, little buggers that they were, and they would say, just you wait until they're teenagers. And I just, that always just somehow stuck in my craw because I just thought, what do they mean by that? Is there something that I don't know? Because I know that as a teenager, I wasn't a rebellious teenager. So I'm wondering, what is it they're talking about? I'd seen other teenagers rebel. And it kind of sowed a little bit of a seed of doubt in me. And I remember just praying and asking God to prepare me for these years. And um, so I'm excited today to hear some of the things that uh, Connie has to say. Um, Connie, welcome. I'm so grateful you're here today. Hey, Dorinda, thank you for having me. I can't wait to chat about the Parenting Beyond the Rules. And I love your statement, you know, about just kind of sometimes other people put a seed of doubt that maybe shouldn't have even been there in the first place. So that that was really good. Yeah, well, let me just tell our listeners a minute um, more about you. Because I think I always love to hear about uh, when, I, when there's a guest on a podcast, I love hearing people's stories. And so just briefly, um, Connie spent 25 years parenting her five children and 20 years working with teens. She is a popular speaker and writer dedicated to strengthening families, parenting, homeschooling teens, faith-filled living, and leadership. I love that. Her practical content inspires and equips parents in the trenches. She's been a spokesperson for a Fortune 500 company, as well as serving as a director and board member for a nonprofit state homeschool organization, which is down there in Florida, correct? Yes, that's right. Yes, that's a great organization. I love FPEA so much. Um, So tell me a little bit about why you think this um, message is especially important. Well, let's start with the first question. What is your what is your hope for uh, this book? I know you've poured your heart and your soul into it, and um, I was reading through it the last couple of days, and I just love the clarity um, of your writing and the way that you just so clearly convey messages that are just so practical. Mm. You know, literally my hope is to reach the parents, as many of the parents of the 63 million teens just in America, and give them a message of hope that you can enjoy and celebrate the teen years. They're not something like your, you know, people would say to you, oh, you just wait. Mm-hmm. That I want to be a mom who's sitting there saying, no, the teen years are not something we have to dread or survive. If we can right. just get through, they can actually be some of our best parenting mm-hmm. um, years because our children are older and their reasoning skills are better. And so that is really, 
parents the confidence that they can build close relationships with their children during the teen years, and they can enjoy the process of watching that child go from the child where, where they're, they're not very responsible and they're, you know, they're children into they becoming an adult where they are stepping into the next season of life, able to have sound reasoning and a strong faith and know who they are and also know that they belong within the family. So that, in a nutshell, is the goal. That is, that is awesome. And I think every, I think that resonates with every mom who's listening. And I know that when uh, that little seed that I mentioned earlier was planted in my heart um, with people saying, just you wait until they're teenagers. I think in some ways I kind of have this, this perspective that kind of what the enemy meant for evil, God used for good. It, It put a little seed in my heart to be praying for him to prepare my heart for those years and praying for my children and also um, building relationship with them early on so that hopefully when we got into the teen years and and you, we get that pushback or that pull away that we often get, um, that we could work through it because we had laid a good foundation in our relationship early on. Yes, yes. I mean, people ask me that, you know, they've got the older children, they're starting to push back. And they're afraid that it's too late. It's too late. And I'm, I'm like, no, it, you can always build a relationship with your child. I think many people are like what you said, if I if I build a strong foundation and relationship, when they're little, that'll carry us through. There is to a degree of truth with mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. But you just don't know what process what twists and turns your child's going to make. And decision making, <laughs> decisions they're going to make, good or bad, and how much they're going to start to pull back and push away from mom and dad, and how you're going to react to it. So that's absolutely true. You, you, those are that is truer words were never spoken. It's <laughs> so true. You don't know when they get into the teen years, and it it it's not necessarily a reflection of having had a poor relationship with them beforehand like you said there are so many variables in the equation and then there's there are those parents out there who maybe who are listening who you know they're they've already got the teens you know and they're like well I didn't I don't think I did the best job of that what now and so I love what you're saying because at you can start at any point in the game that's the point and that's what gives us hope it's like we can start where right where we are and so um I think, you know, uh, our culture pushes onto us and this idea that we have to be at odds with our teens. Like that's just the way it is. And, you know, you just sort of wave your hand and let them do their thing and don't worry about it. Or some people just try to rein them in really tightly. I think, I think it happens. Do you think it happens more uh, with Christian families where they all of a sudden they feel this loss of control and then they clamp down all these rules because they're worried and afraid. Um, I think, I think there's a shred of truth to what you just said. I mean, we, we have a a vision and I talk about this in the book, Dorinda, about casting a vision for your family. So often when I ask a family, a mom and a dad, what, what do you, what do you want in your family when you've turned the tassel, when they've gone off to college or they've moved into the market, market space, or they've moved out? What do you see that relationship looking like? And, and, and sometimes they'll be, kind of clueless. I don't know. And so when I talk to parents, uh, uh, Christian's parents, 
even they will say, um, it's varied, which is fine. It should be varied because every family is unique, but they'll say, I want my kids to love the Lord, or I want my kids to be, have a servant's heart, or I want my children to, to get good academics and get in college. And, you know, they're, the answers are all over the place. Mm-hmm. And when I have them kind of hone in more specifically, I'm like, no, think about, think about what do you want to see in your relationship? Do you want your children to call you to have lunch or to call you to ask when, when we're having Thanksgiving dinner, mm-hmm. when they don't have to, without you going, you are coming home or I haven't heard from you in a while. Why haven't, why haven't you texted me or called me? If, if you say you want that in the future, then it starts with today. Mm-hmm. And it starts by having that vision as a Christian, we may have that vision, but what do we do? We don't often know what to do when that vision gets blurry. We don't know how to get the lens back in focus. And that's where I I talk to parents about when your child starts to change, parents have to adjust. I mean, you're a mama of eight. There, um, I would be hard pressed if I said to you, Dorinda, did you do exactly the same thing with all of your children? You would probably <laughs> giggle and say, uh, yes, yes, that is uh, no, so true. I tried, but it didn't work. It doesn't work. No, it's so true. <laughs> because God's made your child unique. They're form fashioned and, and they're given different strengths, gifts and talents according to what God gave them. And God's just entrusted you and I and all moms and dads to help them discover that pathway to becoming who God's made them to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a false, it's, it's, it's simply a false narrative to think that we have control. Um, we can possibly make our kids do something or to perform in a certain way or to nod their head and say, yes, ma'am. And no, sir, those, we can do that externally but the work of the heart is totally up to the Lord. And so that's why it's not about control. And that's why we have to go to relationship. If we have that relationship, we maximize our influence. If we can maximize the influence that we have with our teen as they transition from child to adult, then they're more inclined to hear the words that we have to say, because our words that are going to be coming out of our mouth, we're going to monitor them so closely, they're going to fall into a tender place of their heart, which makes it harder for them to resist. Right, right. Now, do you talk about ways in the book to maximize your relationship with your kids? Oh, I do. Um, We we have a couple chapters in there. Um, I love Listen Up. Um, I mean, we do have, we start with a, how do you lay the foundation? Because your foundation is kind of everything. You've got to shore that up. And I talk about knowing your child, understanding their world. It's a very different world that our kids are growing up in. And it's any, every parent notices you go into a restaurant and everybody's on a phone and it's almost an anomaly now to see people actually talking to each other, Mm -hmm. Um, doctor's offices everywhere. Um, So I talk about understanding their world that gives parents a peek into what their children are dealing with. And that helps mom and dad to be able to parent the child that um, understand what the pressures are, are placed on them, even in homeschooling community. Right. Um, they're not isolated. That is, that was a myth forever, but they're not isolated from what's going on in culture. Um, I talk about listen up and I talk to parents about how to listen to the unspoken words, which are the body language. Our children are talking to us. Are we paying attention? And then I go through practical steps on listening, how to really listen. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, not just that, uh-huh, 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 but the full attention. And and what do we do when we are busy? Because let's face it, running a home and all juggling all the demands that we have um, takes a, an enormous amount of time. But we still have to carve out that time. And I talk to parents about how to listen. And I also talk to them about how to monitor their mouth. Um, because it's not so much what we say, it's how is our child going to hear what we're saying? That is so true. I can tell you that from uh, from hindsight, uh, looking back and having talked to each of our older kids, um, we can be talking about the same scenario in the past that happened, and they will have different perspectives. And takeaways from that. And I'm just like, you know, when, back in the day when the kids were all young and I looked at my husband and said, if these kids turn out okay, it will be by the grace of God. <laughs> because I just felt so inadequate at times to just be able to see this thing through to the end and the sheer numbers, you know, with, with eight, you know, even you had five, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. you're severely outnumbered and you think I, every now and then it just hits you the gravity of this task, this job, this gift that God's given us, this responsibility that he's given us to raise these kids. And my heart was so much that I wanted them to you know, to know my heart and to know they were loved and to walk in relationship with the Lord. And then I would just blow it so badly. And that's about the time I would look at my husband and say, it's going to be the grace of God. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) And it is. It really, in the end, it really is. But also this equipping. I think God equips us along the way. And I really believe your book is one of the ways um, that, well, first of all, it's going to equip me to finish the last two teenagers <laughs> I have at home um, because you never stop learning. Um, as I'm reading through through this book, I'm just like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I can totally relate to this. Somebody actually just said it out loud, you know? <laughs> And that's, moms, that's what you're going to find in this book is you're going to go, oh, my gosh, I've had that same thought. Oh, my goodness, I've had that feeling. And nobody's, nobody ever talks about it, but Connie talks about it and um, and lets you walk away with hope. And that's the beauty of um, of this book, of God's grace and, and the tools that he gives us along the way uh, to equip us to do this amazing thing we have in front of us to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in the end, it's kind of, we want to stand back and be exactly what you said. Hey, I, I wasn't, I didn't have this parenting thing down so perfectly that just here's your, you and I are talking about this. We've talked about this before during day where there's not a formula. There's no. it's, it's a unique relationship with a very authentic person. And sometimes, and I don't know about you, but, um, some of my children didn't always appreciate me and they didn't always like my personality. And I'm thinking, how can you not? I'm friendly and I'm, I'm outgoing and I'm happy. And that sometimes wasn't what they wanted. They didn't want happy. They wanted quiet. <laughs> we were, we were at dinner last night, um, with, my with my artist daughter and I actually I write about her in the book and Dorinda she's really the reason I wrote this book I mean obviously the Lord led me to do it but it was she planted a seed I was about finished and you know my oldest is some you know my children are between 32 and 25 and and they're just like bam 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 mm-hmm. and I was thinking what am I going to do what's the next assignment Um, And so people, when I was even trying to figure out how do I say how long I've been doing this parenting thing, I I put 25 
my publisher and I were really wrestling about that because my oldest is 32 and I'm like, I'm not parenting my 32 year old. Right. Right. Um, we don't parent adult children. We have relationships with them and we are their parents. Right. Right. But I was standing in a parking lot with my daughter and I was like, God, I don't know what my next assignment is. We had homeschooled, we had finished homeschooling and what, well, what next? You know, I, I'm not willing to, I'm not ready to retire from right. something. And she was the one that planted the seed. And it was that Proverbs 31 moment for me that I always wondered if what it, would it happen? You know, would my kids actually like me at the end of it all? Because they knew me at my ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew when I would be mad at their father. They knew when I was mad at one of their siblings. Um, mm-hmm. They knew if they didn't perform, you know, a job properly, because you and I have talked about the importance <laughs> of doing chores or right. whatever, we, whatever we want to call them. I know sometimes people say, oh, chores is a bad word. Well, work, you know, work. Everything's a bad word now. So <laughs> get it. So, so they got to work, right? And right. That's absolutely right. I said, Jeannie was the one that said to me, we were in the parking lot and I wrote about this. I don't know if you got to read it during it. And it's kind of like in the very beginning of the book that here she did not have to say anything positive about our family. Um, she didn't have to affirm me there. She didn't need the car keys. She didn't need shopping money. She was in her twenties and she said, mom, you know, you've done a lot of really, you know, cool things, BC before children and, and mom, you're, you're doing a lot of really cool things now that the kids are grown. And she made a super big circle in the middle of these two smaller circles. And she said, mom, look, look at this. And I'm like, I'm looking, but you're just making a circle in the air. And she said, this, look at your family. This is your life's greatest work. Mm-hmm. This is what you need to be doing. Mm-hmm. You need to pour into younger women. And I, I just started crying, Dorinda, because I thought our kids know us at, at at all seasons. They know when we're inconsistent, when we when we blow it, when we speak words we shouldn't, when we are too busy to listen, when we try to avoid spending time with them because they can irritate us. Um, when we really have a hard time forgiving because they've hurt us. I mean, their words pierce our soul. Mm-hmm. Um and I'm, I'm listening to her going, that's what we're talking about. And that's kind of what I want parents to get is this long mindset, this long game, not just the 9, 10, 11, 12, 17, 18. But when they're 20 and they look back and they have more adult reasoning and they're saying, wow, I see the sacrifice. I see how you and daddy loved us unconditionally. I see how you... You put up with my moodiness or my crankiness. You, you, you watched me be selfish. You watched me um, not be kind to other people. You watched when I would murmur and complain about little things. But you were still always there, um, praying for me, cheering me on. You never gave up. And I'm, that's that's what I know you, you have a passion for. That's why you're pouring into women as well through your work and ministry. And that's mine as well. Uh, I I never saw it coming. I just knew what we were asking for. And like you, I was like, God, somehow, I, through. can you just work through this ill-equipped woman who doesn't have all the answers? Mm-hmm. Can you tune my ear to my children and to you so that I know how to love them well and I know how to speak words that land in the tender place of their heart? That's right. 
That's right. That's so good. And and your I love what your daughter said. Our family really is our life's work. I mean, we can do things before and we can do things after, but in the end, that's really the I feel like the the most meaningful thing we've done, you know, um that we've invested in and <clears throat> And it's, it's, you know, a lot of years and a lot of tears and a lot of struggles, but it's, it's really about not just growing kids and having relationship when it's all said and done, but this growth that happens in us because yeah. of this deep love for our kids. You know, it's this deep love. God knew when he created us that we would have this love that is unlike any other for our children, and that would motivate us to uh, to do the hard work, to do things we never thought we could do, um, in for the good of our children. And in the process, he brings amazing transformation in our hearts and lives. You know, I just it's such a beautiful picture. It's like this tapestry of all these different threads that come together. And I don't know if you've ever looked at the back of a tapestry, it looks terrible. It looks (laughs) awful. And you think, how in the world could that even be anything beautiful? And that's what we kind of see in the day to day. But in the big picture, it's when you flip that tapestry over and you see how God weaved all these little intricate details, all these different threads and details that we, we didn't recognize at the moment. Um, how valuable they were and how much they added to this beautiful piece of art. Yeah, and, I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, so I think I think it's just, the, it's. I always picture that everyday life as being caught up in the, you know, in the back of the tapestry, <laughs> the work end <laughs> things, you know. <laughs> um, yeah. It's easy to get buried in it and not be able to see that big picture. So sometimes we need help, you know, from other people to help, you know, flip that thing over even just for a little bit to help us get perspective and see God really is doing the work and he is um, creating something beautiful. But I have a question for you about um, social media. You know, you and I raised kids um, partially um, not in the digital age. Right. So we have experience with what it looked like to parent and to have children that had a childhood with no social media and no electronics, really. So um, that is, and now I'm continuing to parent. I still have two at home and I've seen in the last, you know, probably the last, mostly the last six or seven years um, in our own family, just the challenges that come with um, living in an age of social media. So how can parents, this is before I ask this question, I want to preface it with um, uh, Tim Elmore from growingleaders.com. Um, he said something that really stuck with me. He said, um, we're navigating you know, new territory when it comes to the digital world and raising kids in it. And he said, what's happened is what's happening now is that most children and kids and teenagers are getting most of their information from social media, from the digital world, instead of from parents, teachers, um, grandparents, mentors. And I found that very interesting. And so his his comment was, this is why it's crucial that we teach our kids foundational principles that will help carry them through any um, 
unnavigated waters that are even to come that we can't even you know, begin to envision yet. Because you and I, we, we couldn't envision this whole internet age 20 years ago, right? We, we, right? we would be like, what are you talking about? What is the internet? And, you know, if someone would have told me that 20 years ago that my son would be a software engineer, I would be like, what? What are you talking about? What's a software engineer? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, so all that to ask, how can parents' voices speak louder than the voices of media? That's a great question. You know, I've been involved working, like literally working in social media um, since 2008. And I, I started noticing my backgrounds in public relations and marketing. So I was always involved with communications and that type of how do you, how does a brand reach its, its um, market? And I was especially interested in how can I use what I had learned to help homeschoolers reach other homeschool moms. Mm -hmm. And so it was was when my son was a teenager and he was doing an online class and I kept seeing him toggle between uh, cells, open tabs. And, you know, most of us, we have at least 20 open at once. Right, right, right. So I didn't think too much about it. I thought you're doing research. But then I noticed he would click real quickly. And I got curious about that. And I discovered, you know, he had a Facebook account. And I will say that is back when the only way you could have a Facebook account was if you were a student, you had a student ID and all that stuff. And I'm like, well, you, you clearly don't, you've underestimated the power of a homeschool mother because by the end of the day, I had a Facebook account and I, I was watching it from the marketing standpoint and a business. But then all of a sudden I thought I got to stay one step ahead of my children that I was able to stay one step ahead of my children because they were young and I knew what was, what the platforms were right within a matter of years it completely changed and you can't keep up a parent cannot keep up with all that's out there and when i talk to parents about social media and how to navigate it the most important lesson i can tell parents is you can't keep your kids away from it because technology is neutral on the internet isn't safe but what you have to teach your children is how to navigate an unsafe internet by using their their voice their platform knowing their their weaknesses and strengths and then help them find a cause they're passionate about and shining a light on it so it could be something as simple as the pug society it could be something as simple as hurricane i live in florida so hurricane relief was something i wanted my children to be to be aware of and how they could help, how they could create awareness. My daughters both were very passionate about ending human trafficking. Sadly, you know, they didn't end human trafficking. But I I want to tell parents to help your children learn to create a a positive social footprint, knowing that college admissions over 50% look at your child's online footprint to see if they're going to be accepted to college. And employers do the same thing. So they want to see that your children are socially engaged, but not um, in a negative, destructive type of manner. Right. And that comes by simply saying, hey, you know, what is it that you're interested in? Maybe you're interested in, you know, the Olympics or special or, or the Special Olympics or whatever there's, you know, there's millions of things your children can be passionate about. If a family member has cancer and your child wants to shine awareness on a certain, you know, research or something. Mm-hmm. But when parents take the time to show the children how to use these powerful devices for a force of good, whether it's um, sharing the gospel or it's highlighting events at their church or in their community, 
children are starting to realize that, oh, I have a voice. Mm-hmm. How I use my voice can be either for good or evil. Can be It can harm or hurt others, which is the cyberbullying which we see going on, mm-hmm. or it can be used for a voice of good. And that good is what God wants me to use it for. And the reason it's kind of counter what many people say is it isn't going away. And I've seen so many young people's lives absolutely get ruined because they hit 18, no longer can mom and dad say no, 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 no. And they don't know how to navigate and manage this power that's within the palm of their hand. Mm-hmm. The hidden apps, the anonymous apps, the the rumors that are spread on there, the way these kids are hiding behind the screen. Um, and so those are some of the ways, and obviously we could go a lot longer than right. we have time for, but mm-hmm. I, I, I really strongly believe in parents when you know your children you'll know if they have that propensity toward addiction um by the minute you say hey sweetie you got to wrap that up in 10 minutes if they go into full meltdown mode or if it's like okay mom um but i find that when we know our children and we're able to help guide them knowing that listen everything's not off limits we're going to walk through this together they do a lot less push back and sneaking around than if we say no, you can't do any of this until you're 17 or 18. So parents have to do their homework on that, uh, you know, knowing what apps are domestic and which ones are developed overseas, which is a whole nother conversation. But there's a lot to it. And we do have to be cognizant of the fact that the dark web is ugly. There are people that want to prey on our children. There are some very bad actors out there. And if we are engaged, and I do talk about that in the book, if we are engaged with our children, and we are aware, uh, we're not going to catch everything, but we trust the Lord to shine a light in our heart and to pierce our heart that we stumble across something. Right. Uh, God is amazing at, at it's kind of like mom has eyes in the back of her head. Absolutely. You yes. Know, yep. we, we're able to do that, right? It's totally a God thing. I'm telling you, it's, it's a mercy that he gives us. <laughs> he has that certain, yeah. something happens and, and you just end up seeing what's going on when you shouldn't have, you know, just, and it's just God saying here, this is something you need to pay attention to. And this is the, uh, this is just the beauty of being Christian parents is just having that connection with God and, and utilizing it. You guys, I mean, I just, sometimes it's, it's difficult when you're in the busy years of being a mom and homeschooling, it's easy to set that time with God aside or shorten it or, you know, but it's just so important for us to stay connected. And we can do that in a lot of different ways and at a lot of different times throughout the day. So I remember praying while I was folding the laundry. Anytime I was doing something that was, you know, mindless, um, try to stop and just connect with the Lord. And, um, and just, God honors that. He knows we're, we he knows we've got a lot going on, but I really think he honors us continuing to pursue a relationship with him and asking him for that wisdom and that guidance and um and that perspective and and those eyes like you mentioned, the eyes in the back of our heads, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and and I I believe he wants to do that for us and uh it's just a matter of having that kind of relationship with him. And uh and as we're going through the teen years, you know, I think even more so, um, we we need to be sober and alert, and and God can help us can help us do that. 
So I, I want to ask you um, to the parent who I want you to speak to the parent who's in the trenches of the difficult mm. teen years, because I'm sure beyond a shadow of a doubt that there are lots of uh, parents who are there right now who are listening. How can they start connecting with their teen in, a, in an authentic and lasting way? Mm, I love that question. Uh, it first starts by paying attention to the little things that they do, paying attention to the words that they say, the way they respond and they react to you. And going off of what you just said, you've got to start your morning off devouring the word. It's mm-hmm. just, it. I people are, are, would say to me, but Connie, you don't understand. I do get it. I had five mm-hmm. and seven years. I know exactly what that's like to not have a moment. Um, but I will tell you this, you've got to make the moment, even if it is only one verse or right. one paragraph in a, in a book that God's laid on your heart to read and you just chew on it because you devour in the morning because you got to be able to divide out during the day and you can't write an empty picture. If we neglect taking care of our soul, if we neglect taking care of the mom, the woman behind the mom, mm-hmm. then we're not able to be the mom that our husbands need. And if you're married or the mom that our children need. So I totally get, you get worn out, you get weary, you get tired of you know, you ask them to do something and you check an hour later and it's still not done. I totally get that. Mm-hmm. You're not alone in that. I don't know if there's a parent that has gone through the teen years that has ever had an immediate compliant child every single time. Well, and um, if you do, I would be very concerned. Call Dorinda. Call Dorinda because she's going to feature you. <laughs> but, but I say when you devour in the morning, you have more to divide during the day. And That's when you're good. weary and when you're tired, I tell parents all the time, you can't quit, but you can rest. Mm-hmm. And if you are in a season that you're parched and you're dry and your soul is, you are just spent, then pause and rest. And you're thinking about what am I supposed to do with the children? I'm not saying you like detach from the family. Although if you can carve away a, 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 a half an afternoon just to go sit in a park and write or think or something that just gives you some new time with the Lord, then seize that and, and make that a priority and make your children realize that is what is needful for me to be the best mother I can be for you. Um, but you are going to have some rough days. Uh, the other thing I would say, Dorinda, is devour in the morning. You can't quit, but you can rest. And the third thing I would say is, is ask the Lord to give you some friends that you can do life with, some yes. friends that are going to get where you are. And if you need to, to kind of vent a little bit or pour out your heart or cry a few tears, there's going to be another mom that isn't going to judge you. Right. Like, yeah, I did that yesterday. <laughs> right. right. And I'm right there with you, sister. I'm going to be praying for you and I'm going to be checking in on you. That's the one thing, Dorinda, that I know mamas are struggling with is the in real life friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. They're, they're parched from that. And if you don't have that, pray and ask the Lord to bring that to you. That's uh, right. That person to you. That's right. And remember that no friendship is going to be perfect. You know, I think sometimes we get this idea and we have this vision in our heads and we don't even always know that we're having these unrealistic expectations of a friendship. And what I have found over the years is um, God has given me certain friends in certain seasons and I still know those people. I still have uh, I still have a good relationship with them, but I don't really talk with them anymore because that was for that particular season. And God works like that. Um, there's like this, 
I guess there's there's seasonal friendships, which I think many friendships are seasonal friendships. Um, and then there's a few, maybe even just one, that could be uh, more of a long-term friendship. But um, I think it's important to keep our expectations reasonable, understand um, that friendships take work, that, you know, if we don't want other people to be harsh with us for some of our difficult the difficulties that we walk through we need to do the same for them and not be too quick to say uh criticism but be really quick to encourage you know and obviously that could be a whole nother podcast but i just wanted to (laughs) to chime that in there because i i think in order uh for us to uh to to really connect with people we need to be uh we need to be full of grace um understanding that we are we are all human beings and we're all going to have strengths and we're all going to have weaknesses and um god is god is gracious though he has used so many different friends in my life over the years and i'm so grateful but you're absolutely right it's so important to find a friend or some friends i tell moms all the time find your tribe because that is what's going to get you through is knowing you've got someone to talk to. And, and honestly, the the beauty of the internet is you there, there is the possibility of finding a tribe online. Um, I, like you mentioned real life relationships, and I think those are absolutely essential as well. Um, but sometimes for whatever reason, I know we lived way out in the country, so Uh I didn't live in an area where I could connect in real life, frequently with people um and that's where sometimes that online works works well too you know it's just oh yeah i mean that's a sign of our time it really is and i've got you know i've got a mentoring a group of moms that i'm mentoring online and uh just seeing them all just connect and pray for each other and encourage each other um has just been a huge blessing for me as well but um i love that i love everything you just said. Um, one of the things that I have noticed, and um, I'm, I know that you've noticed this too, it's a common mistake that parents make during the teen years. Um, it, it's attempting to control your teen instead of guiding them. Could you explain what that looks like? Sure. Well, when we think about control, we think about uh, they're doing what we say when we want to say it. We're trying to control the outcome. It's a, it can be a parenting style. It can be a parenting mindset. Um, but teens, as, as, as your child starts to grow and become, uh, you know, thinking, reasonable, applying logic, and, and they're really actually doing what you've taught them to do, then they start to push back on maybe the rule that we had or the limits or the boundaries. And it's part of why I wrote the book Beyond the Rules, because we're great at rules, limits, and boundaries. But mm-hmm. we often forget, Dorinda, that we made the rules, the limits, and the boundaries unless it's a law. Or it's a matter of safety. Mm-hmm. But if it's not a safety issue and it's not a law, o- obeying the law, the land, then most of what we establish as our family's, you know, law and law of the land and God's law. I, I, I didn't mean just the law of the land, but, you know, in our family, lying wasn't OK. Right. Right. <laughs> Dealing wasn't OK. Um, curfews or something dad and I made. And when the dishes got done and when we had breakfast and who did what, when, and when we did yard work and when we cleaned the house, those were something we established. Um, how, how, and when we did school and who got to do what. So when I talk about guiding your child, 
they they start to push back and say, listen, I need more freedom. I want space. I want freedom. And a wise parent reevaluates and says, you know what? This child has shown themselves to be responsible, to be trustworthy, to be upset. They make sound decisions. They're very calculating. They think about what the outcome is because they've thought through whatever decision they're going to make. That's the temperament God has given them or the mat- the maturity level. Then we can say when they say, like, Mom, I don't want to be home at 10 o'clock or 1030. Can I be home at 11? You don't need to make a broad rule in the family that, okay, everybody, now it's 11. It's no, you know what? You have shown yourself to be faithful or trustworthy or obedient or open and honest with us. Yes, this is this is how we're going to give you. And the other is like, well, that's not fair. You're right. It isn't fair because I'm not raising and creating a manufactured product. I'm raising a human. And to do that means you have to know that child well. And it's like shining a flashlight on the possibilities for them. So on the cover of the book, you'll see five paintbrushes and some paint swaths. And the purpose of that is because your child is a masterpiece and no masterpiece is exactly alike. So it requires different brush strokes. You use different colors. You paint a little, which is you're you're laying the foundation of character qualities and virtues and God's truth and you're discovering their personality and they're becoming wiser and stronger and and more thoughtful then you you paint and then you step back and you're like oh that looks good so far but I think we have some gaps in this character quality maybe it's cleaning up or doing their chores on time or being kind and so they paint, we paint those pictures of possibilities for our child of what their future can look like and how we as a family, because we are a team, we as a family are going to reach whatever goals and objectives our family has, you know, deemed where we're going. Like we are the Albers family, we are the Albers in action, and this is what we do. Right. And that is why it's so important to view each child as a masterpiece out of all of your kids, Dorinda. I bet you, you could tell me all the different weaknesses and strengths of each one. If I asked you, tell me about this child, right. you could make me a bullet list because you've studied and you know your children. Mm-hmm. Um, and that means you're better able to say, you know, sweetie, and these are key words. I see this in you. Do you? What if we do this? What if you consider this um, possibility? What would you think about that? Engage them and let them be part of the decision-making process and the conversation. Instead of mandating and dictating, let's engage and invite mm-hmm. them to partake in the life that they're be- they're growing into. That's right. That's right. Because they are growing into that life. And I think what I see um, so often is I see young people just uh, sort of directionless. And, and from what what I'm getting from what you're saying is you're helping to guide them so that they're not directionless. You're not forcing, you're not saying this is what you're going to be and this is what you're going to do. You're, like you said, inviting and engaging. And when we, when we engage and we invite, then all of a sudden our kids own what they're doing. They own their life. They own their decisions. They own their future. Um, You know, I apply this to homeschooling as well. You know, we want them to own what they're doing. And our goal for our kids was by the time they got in high school, that they were owning their education completely. 
You know, mm, yeah. we sat and talked about these are the goals, these are the credits that you need to meet. Um, how do you want to meet those? What is that going to look like for you this year? What do you want to tackle this semester and how do you want to tackle it? And all of a sudden, it was them making the decisions and and we we prepared them quite a bit ahead of time before they were in high school that that's the way it was going to be. Mm-hmm. And every single one of them rose to the occasion, every yeah. single one. And that was, you know, that's one of those few things that we did the same with everybody that worked well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there aren't very many of those. We know that. But <laughs> So that was, you know, that was definitely something that stood out in my mind because of the fact that you, there's very few things like that. Um, Yeah, but but you you painted a picture for them of what the Wilson family was going to be. This is how we do things. This is how we live. Our this our family lives and functions uh, together as a unit that's very large. Right. And you painted pictures for them, and and so when that time came. Instead of them going, you know, complaining, griping, you didn't tell me this was going to happen. When that time came, and I'm sure it wasn't a magic day for each of them. Oh, you're now 13 years old. It was probably a different year, um, season of maturity for them. But when that time came, they stepped into it because you had painted a picture of possibilities as they were growing day in, just subtle little seeds. You were planting a seed, an idea. And as that sh- as that seed cracked open, that hard shell cracked open and began to cr- to root itself and grow and spread, they were ready for it. Um, right. Mine, you know, mine weren't mine weren't all like that. Um, I I did that in the homeschool piece, but only a, a couple of them struggled with it, and it took longer. Right. Um, right. Eventually, yes, they they make it, but yeah, that's that's the whole mindset of giving them the possibilities of what if instead of pushing and shoving and saying you are going to do xyz um and they're like some of your some of my children were like oh yeah and what does it look like if i don't right exactly there's that pushback yeah um i i know um i did an interview with a woman just a podcast with her the other day and i had totally forgotten it was my fail but i totally forgotten initially that she was, I write about our home given to her hospitality and our home being open to, to teenagers and college kids. And she, at, we were in the middle of the interview. She goes, yeah, when I was reading your chapter about having friends over and all the things you used to do, she goes, I was one of them. And I just had this moment. She goes, I could say, I saw it. You, I was, I was reading the stories going, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. And I had to step back and think, yeah, our kids are remembering that. And the the way that you planted the ideas for your children of transfer of ownership of their education, their responsibility. It is not like you just said, hey, I'm done with you. It's that I have prepared you for this. Right. Now right. you can soar. Mm-hmm. What an empowering feeling. Mm-hmm. So true. Now, I have a question. For, as I was reading through your book, um, one particular chapter just really popped out at me, and it's the one on squash your fear. So that's the last thing that I want to talk about. Um, okay. Because that was, I was that was as that chapter that I was reading, going, oh, yes, I felt that. Oh yes, I feel that right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but a lot of parents, we often feel 
fear, a lot of fear while parenting. Um, so why do you think that this is the case? Well, I mean, God says, God's word talks about uh, often about fear and, and that is a human emotion that everyone experiences. And right. I, I think that's where we have to start with. Don't beat ourselves up because we get afraid. We just have to realize that fear is an emotion and needs to be given a name. And then we need to place it in the right category. Meaning if we're afraid that we're going to ruin our child, we have to step back and go, why, where is this fear coming from? So right. we have to right. name it and then um, identify, you know, what's the result of this. Right, and right. We need we have to then place it and move on. So the fear thing is just it's a deep seated emotion that we have. We love these little humans so much and we don't trust that I sometimes think maybe we just don't trust God enough that he is the architect. He mm -hmm. has a plan and purpose for this child. He did he, amazingly he gave them to imperfect parents. <laughs> and yes. and he said, "Hey, raise these little humans and I'm going to help you." Right. And I'm going to lead you and I have the blueprints. And the only way for you to teach and train them in the way they should go is to consult me. That's absolutely right. And I love what you did in this chapter. You named those fears. And the first one you named was fear of rejection. And I just have to read this little piece out loud to the moms because this just really struck a chord with me. The fear of rejection is powerful, so powerful, in fact, that it's one of the primary reasons parents are fearful. Will their children reject them? The truth is no one wants to experience rejection. We want to be accepted and adored by those we love most. So fear of rejection can manifest itself through constant worry that your child won't love you or fear that your child won't accept your leadership. And I just loved that because, yes, we love <laughs> these kids so much and we want them to love us back. And that fear of them not loving us back. And at, at certain points, every single child, at least mine, not intentionally, generally speaking, um, rejected me. But there was a feeling of rejection in something they said or did. And it just gripped me. And, and so that's why I think I can just so relate to this. Um, you said we, we parents basically fear that our children will end up resenting the choices we made concerning them and pointing out everything we did wrong. And I can tell you, I talk to homeschool moms all the time who are terrified of this happening when it comes to homeschooling. They're worried their kids are going to get to the end and say, I wish you would have never homeschooled me, you know? Yeah. And, um, and the mom's like, I wish I wouldn't have either. <laughs> I'm beginning to re <laughs> regret it myself. Um, <laughs> exactly. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. That you said we shouldn't parent from a place of fear, but of right. faith. And yeah. I love that. And that's just, you know, homeschooling from faith, parenting from faith and not fear. When you're committed to working together, fear has no place to live. That was key right there. We're committed to working together. And that's just really the, I think that's really just the essence of your book is just this inviting, engaging relationship. And we're doing this together. We're a team. This isn't me against you and you against me. This is us working together. That is, that, thank you. That's exactly it. I mean, <laughs> it's, yes. <laughs> I love I that. Mean, we entertain, I mean, we, we do start to worry um, because they start to resist. And right. then, you know, sometimes when they resist and we get a little upset and we kind of 
chew on them a little with uh, whether we get cold or, or icy. Yeah. True confessions here. <laughs> right? I mean, my children knew when I was upset. This is a true story. I didn't know this till they were all like older, but I didn't realize they could tell if I was in the right mood to ask me a question or not. By the yes. way, I was cutting the carrots. <laughs> Who knew you could read so much about carrot cutting? But apparently. <laughs> oh, that's hysterical. I have, I'm, I'm learning the same thing from my kids. <laughs> and, you know, I, you know, I will have to, I, I know we're cutting, you know, closing it up, but I, I have agree. to tell you, I was just out with everybody the other day. And this is the picture I want parents to have is, you know, doing life together when they don't have to be around. They can do the, hey, see ya, um, this life that you did. Uh, I didn't really want any part of it. If it's if it's if they're not considered, if it is dictated and they're not part of the process and it's just they're just the children and you're the adults, right. uh, you might experience that. But when you work as a family, just like the Lord, oh, during that, the Lord, he draws us to himself because he is loving and he is He's just alluring and accepting, and, and we can't resist him. Right. That's the way our parenting can be. Perfect? Mm. No. Right. But the but the overall goal is is that we are like that, and they realize through how we speak, through how we listen, through how we, we love them unconditionally. And when we manage our expectations, um, then we are able to put things in a realistic perspective. And when right. we come back to starve the fear, we have to realize if we feed the fear, the fear will grow. Mm -hmm. But if we starve the fear, it will die. And the only reason, the only way we can starve the fear is to devour in the morning, is to know that mm -hmm. God is the one that's going, that has a, a purpose and a plan for our child. And he's entrusted us, them to us. And we are able to not push and shove. So the story, if we have, do we have time for the story? It's Absolutely. All right. So this story, we, my daughter was tired of working one day, which thankfully they're all gainfully employed. And I like that because they're all off the payroll. And for listeners that are ever wondering, yes, they do grow up and <laughs> they, they actually get jobs and, and you're not paying for their life anymore. And they want to go out with you and spend their own money for dinner. Mm. So, my daughter had said, hey, I'm, I'm bored of work and I'm tired of work and y'all want to go to dinner. She knew not to ask me because I was in the middle of speaking season. So there probably wasn't food at my house. And everybody had decided, yeah, uh, I had said, yes, count me in. Nobody else. There was crickets on our, our group thread. And I said, well, it's just going to be me and you, girl. And five minutes before we were supposed to go, everybody starts pinging in. What time? Where? <laughs> And by the end of like a 20 minute text conversation, everybody was in but one because that one was out of town. Mm. And as we were sitting around the table, I just, and I have three that are married. And I, I just looked and I thought, this is sweet. They didn't have to be here. There was nobody, no mom guilt, no shame, no, well, FOMO. You're just really going to be missing out. They, they feel FOMO because they don't want to miss out. Mm -hmm. And when we talk about the fear of rejection, I used to make my children clean the house all because it's a lot of people and we work right. from home, we did school. And my son shared this funny story. So your children are watching and paying attention and they're going to they're going to retell your stories. You know, you're going to learn to laugh at them. So we are he's he's telling the story and he makes this very loud clip clop sound like somebody walking down the high, the hallway in heels. And he goes, why did you always wear shoes in the house? I'm like, because I always got dressed every morning, got dressed, mm -hmm. did my hair, makeup. Yep. 
mm-hmm. and was ready for my day. And he goes, but then it was Saturday and you would open the door and you'd be like, good morning. And we were, didn't want to see you and have good morning. We wanted to sleep. And they're all laughing and I'm laughing because I'm an early bird and they were teenagers and that was right. not what they wanted to do. And he says, and then you would give us all a toothbrush. Then he goes, and you tell us we're going to clean the baseboards. And you were so excited because we were going to clean the baseboards. And I, my stomach now hurts thinking, I remember doing that. And he goes, mom, who cleans the baseboards with toothbrushes? And I said, apparently the outbursts do. <laughs> And the kids are all laughing. And I said, now, let me ask you a question. How many of you guys clean your baseboards? And he goes, they all laughed. And I said, and how many of you use toothbrushes? And my daughter-in-law goes, oh, we use a bounce sheet. And I'm like, I don't care how you clean your baseboards. But it was just hilarious that they could remember how I walked down the hall, the eagerness in my step, Mm -hmm. the enthusiasm in my voice, my voice, the fact that I was saying we are going to do this. Right. And then we're going to play. They they could they could go back to that day on any Saturday that I had done that and tell that with somewhat making fun of me, but mainly endearing that right. this is what we did. Right. And if you're in the midst where your teenagers don't want to get up and do the yard, um, they don't want to help you clean the house, they forget to do the dishwasher every single night. Remember, this is a long game, but mm-hmm. you're painting a picture. Uh, they, they are a masterpiece. And that every little stroke, every every moment of grace, every time you have to say, well, sweetie, I really hear what you're saying, but you have to do it anyway with a smile on your face. Um, you are creating the end result of that relationship you're going to have and enjoy for the rest of your lives. That's absolutely right. And, you know, I just... Before, really quick before we wrap up, I want to just say we were talking about fear and moving past the fearful feelings. And the thing that you brought up that really struck a chord with me and something that I learned um, fairly early on is that whole idea of pausing, taking a pause before responding. Um, I think this is such a huge piece of what you're what you're describing right now is when when there is conflict, when there is fear, when when um you know your your God is calling you to uh, really engage in the relationship with the child, um, but our fe- our feelings sometimes fight with that. Um, hitting that pause button and giving yourself a few minutes to pray, to regroup, and to go into this with intention into whatever scenario you're you're having to to deal with with intention and with focus um and with the child's heart in mind um i just i loved i loved that piece of that chapter i just did not want to leave without um mentioning that because that was such a huge lesson for me um so many years ago it was just that and i use it now all the time it's mm-hmm. got more of a habit where if, if I feel like I'm not going to respond well in a situation, I just say, can you just give me a few minutes? <laughs> get a few minutes to get myself together. Very few scenarios demand you to give an answer right now and to respond right now. Um, so I love that 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 pause button, kind of hitting that pause button yeah. uh, 
idea. But yes, I, I the teamwork, you mentioned the teamwork with your family and you could hear that um, in the story that you told of, you know, the toothbrushes and the baseboards. And I, I talk to parents all the time and I say, you, you know, when we talk about chores and work at home, we are a team and we, we want our kids to learn to be a good team player. And so we as a family, they learn that at home first. Yeah. In doing chores and in being a family and again and that casting a vision for their future. I would do the same thing with, with the chores. I would be like, I I want you to be to be able to provide well, to take good care of whatever family God gives you and, you know, whatever work he puts in front of you. And that starts here, you know, so that casting a vision, I, I love that that picture of, of casting a vision for our kids. But um I am just so grateful that you're, you've been here today with me and shared so many valuable things. And I just want to encourage you moms to go and find Parenting Beyond the Rules. It's in bookstores. It's on Amazon. It's easily accessible. Um, and get this book. Um, also, I know I'm kind of, uh, I forgot to talk to you ahead of the, ahead of time, Kikani, but I know that you'd be happy to do a giveaway. So if yeah. parents are interested in possibly winning the book um, and having it sent to you, please leave comments um, on my website where the podcast is on my website. If you leave them on all the other places where the podcast goes out, if you're listening from Overcast or um, iTunes or whatever, I'm probably not going to see it. I need them to all be in one place. So if you'll go to DorendaWilson.com to this podcast and leave comments in there, I will throw your name in the hat and you uh, might just win Parenting Beyond the Rules. So, uh, Connie, thank you again for being here. Is there any last uh last bit of encouragement or anything else that you want to share with everyone before we say goodbye? Oh, I just thank you for having me on. I know we probably went over and uh, listeners, thank you for tuning in. I mean, I know you love Dorinda. She's got a real heart for you guys. Um, my, my, my biggest thing is uh, remember that you're in it for the long haul, not the short win. And, and every time you can re remind yourself that, and look for defining moments and help shape and form them. You're building a family and you're building a family that wants to do life together. And that's our, and, and we, that's our overarching goal is, is a family that loves the Lord, that loves doing life together and has a heart for the community. And hey, while you're at it, if you leave a comment on Dorinda's site, make sure you rate her podcast or re review or rate it or something like that, Dorinda. Yes, yes. You can rate it from wherever you are. If yeah. you're from wherever. Yes, that would be awesome. And how can moms connect with you, Connie? That's the last thing I want to get out. Okay. Well, you can find me at ConnieAlpers.com. I'm also on Facebook with ConnieAlpers.author. That's my page. And I have a private Parenting Beyond the Rules Facebook group, if you would like to join that, because we're going to be discussing, going deep diving on the book. Um, also on Instagram with Connie Albers. So those are the primary places you could find me. And thank you, Dorinda, for pointing people that way. Absolutely. Um, um, and I'll, I will leave these in the podcast notes. So Connie, you send them to me and I'll make sure that they get put in the podcast notes so they can connect with you. Okay. Awesome. Let's go ahead and pray. Um, Lord, we just thank you so much for this time together. Thank you for the wisdom that Connie has shared with us, Lord, the inspiration, Lord. I, I think more than anything, we, we definitely need wisdom, but we also need to be inspired. And um, I just 
there was inspiration all over this podcast, Lord, and I thank you for that, Lord. It's a gift from you, um, a gift for me, a gift for the moms who are listening, Lord. And I just pray for each and every family represented that's listening. I pray for your peace and your presence over these households, whether they don't have teenagers yet or they're in the midst of it, um, of having teenagers. I just pray that today would be a defining day for them, that this podcast would be a defining moment for them in recognizing that no matter what where they are, no matter where we are, Lord, we can begin to have a relationship with our kids. We can pick yes. up from where we are right now, Lord. Give us um, a vision for this. Give us wisdom for what that looks like specifically in our own families. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your faithfulness. Um, we just praise you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Mm. Amen. Amen.